We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey guys, you're listening to the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast. Um, today I've got a 10-time AMA National Trials Champion Jeff Aaron on the line. And uh, Jeff is also the team manager of the Gas Gas Trials team. And from what I understand, your position has evolved a little bit since uh, the KTM group has uh, acquired Gas Gas Motors, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting stuff for us. You know, I've been affiliated with the brand for a long time and uh now being connected up with the ktm group it's uh it's got a backbone and there's there's a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe yeah you know it's pretty crazy you and i have been buddies for 30 years now around that because you know when I, I started cycle news and i was the only guy that like trials at cycle news so uh went to a lot of the nationals and stuff and and that's when we met and i think had you not won a national championship yet in 1990? <laughs> yeah, my uh, my first championship was all the way back in 94. Okay, 94. And uh, my last championship was in 2006. Wow, that's quite a span. <laughs> yeah, put in some time on the bikes, that's for sure. Yeah. So, um, so for me, I, I gained an interest in trials because of my oldest brother, John. Um, he was really into it, and... Uh, you know, after riding motocross as a youngster, he still wanted to ride some something with a motor. So he got a, I think he got some old air-cooled Fantic. And I remember him coming out when Ross and I would be riding motocross and he'd show up with his trials bike and be farting around on the hills. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, he, he got me to come out with him and, and I was having a great time because it was something completely different than three-wheeling or, or motocross, you know. So, uh I was real fortunate in my position at Cycle News to be able to get some trials test bikes, and I quickly learned that the trials community in the U.S. is like a small, tight-knit group of people that is very, very welcoming and 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 uh, accommodating. You know, because like I, it's it's pretty rare to come into a sport and meet the best guys in the sport and have them be so cool to you. You know. Yeah, we've got uh, some of the coolest areas to ride the trials bikes, and like you said, there's a it's a small group of people, and everybody is uh, is pumped on it. And it's it's kind of a laid back atmosphere, but it's a uh, you know it's an individual sport. You're not racing against another guy, so there's not a lot of that animosity kind of going on. It's more like you against the terrain, mm-hmm. and uh, it's good exercise and a lot of fun. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely something that I dedicated a big chunk of my life towards and uh really still enjoy it to this day yeah so um okay so you got your first title in 94 and then <clears throat> over what a 12 year span got nine more of them right yeah there was a, a few guys that kind of snuck in on me uh they imported some europeans um oh yeah, uh, yeah. Wor- world champions and and other riders that came in and uh i got beat out a couple years but uh Basically, I had a pretty strong run and um, did a full 20 years of 
of riding on the national circuit from start to finish, all the way from the junior classes all the way up to the pro classes. Mm -hmm. Why do you think uh, Moto Trials is not more popular in the United States? Well, there's a few things. Um, it's definitely um, a, it's kind of small. It's hard to do. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit humbling for guys that maybe hop off of a motocross bike if they're proficient on other disciplines of riding they hop on the trials bike and they feel like man i i'm just learning how to ride here so it kind of takes a while you have to kind of put in some time to really get comfortable on the bike um it's always been kind of a euro sport you know it's always been a little little quirky and um, a little bit different but uh there's tons of potential with trials and i still i don't think it's ever going to be big but it's uh, there's definitely room to sell more trials bikes there's lots of extreme enduro riders and enduro crossers and things like that that are using them as cross trainers and people are realizing that you know the skills of riding a trials bike can transfer over to to all types of riding so mm. yeah uh, completely you know uh the thing that's that that is so fun about trials is <clears throat> you know as opposed to motocross where you have to load up and go somewhere to go ride i mean you could fart around in your backyard or your front yard, you know, after work <laughs> and, and have a completely enjoyable time in like, you know, a hundred square feet. Right. Cause I, yeah, you don't need, you don't need much to, uh, you know, get yourself excited or get your heart rate going. It's, uh, it definitely works different muscles and you can amuse yourself just wheeling around and nose wheeling and balancing and, and play riding on small obstacles. And, um, you know, as, other stuff progresses like the whole electric movement and stuff. I, I think that the trials bike could really become like a, like the future play bike. You know, a lot of guys could buy them and, and, you know, play with them in their backyard. They're kind of quiet. Yeah. Uh, really quiet. There's some things like that that are kind of nice. You know, you're not really disturbing the neighbors. And like you said, you can kind of go out, play around for half an hour and get a pretty good workout in a small space and have a smile on your face at the end. Yeah, when I lived at my parents' house in, in Altadena, I used to just, <laughs> you know, I'd fire it up and I'd just practice doing full lock turns and, you know, figure eights and stuff in the, at like yeah. 8, eight o'clock at night. And nobody ever complained because the thing was so quiet, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah, I had so much fun just being on two wheels at all times of the day on a trials bike. And then, yeah, uh, for yeah. sure, Simple. you know. <laughs> definitely cool to do your own thing and, and have a little bit of that. But uh, the most fun that you can actually have is probably getting a couple of buddies that are kind of like, you know, similar in ability, maybe on a different discipline, but are kind of green to the whole trials thing. And then you just kind of egg each other on and uh, kind of laugh at each other, trying to climb over rocks and stuff like that. That's the kind of the most fun I think you could have on the trials bike. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the, some of the best days were out at, uh, cougar buttes for me up in lucerne you know just farting around on rocks and yeah what an epic area for trials bikes out there yeah and then it was funny though because i so i played on them a whole bunch and then when i entered my first one it was so so eye-opening and humbling you know like to think oh yeah i just go around that turn and it's easy but then there's this pressure when someone's watching you and keeping score right it is. It's kind of like golf a little bit it's like you're the only person in the section at the time at a time and you you kind of once they put the markers and the ribbons up you have to try to stay on course and sometimes what looks easy isn't so easy when you uh 
give yourself some guidelines like that. So it's, uh, it's hard to keep it all together and be perfect all the time. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, you knew this like a couple of years ago, my, my nephew, Zach, who's a, uh, amateur, a bicycle trials champion. He bought a motorcycle and started riding and he was talking smack. So I'm like, dude, I'm going to come off the couch. I'll get a bike and I'll wax you. <laughs> so we had this big uncle nephew showdown plan for, uh, I think it was El Trial de España, but, uh, yep. so I got a bike from Martin Belair and rode it once out at uh, Santa Rosa mine with Zach. Mm-hmm. And I was cracking up because he was still pretty new at the time. He had really good basic skills, but he wasn't a big, you know, rock, you know, smashing the rocks or jumping off stuff. And so I was like doing stuff and he's like, dude, you're crazy. But then we <laughs> went, uh, then I realized that the trial de España was, you know, a while away, but it conflicted with the mountain bike race I wanted to do. So I'm like, oh, we'll just do that trial this weekend up at Cougar Buttes. And, uh, dude, he waxed me because it was, we, I rode his class and he had all the basic skills down that I hadn't reacquired yet, you know? So I was just like looking to, you know, yeah, he was, he was dialed in and you were still getting your uh, footing. Yeah. And I was still zapping up stuff and everything, but we had a good, really close. I think we were already separated by one point on the first loop, but then the second loop, he didn't walk any of the sections and like, dude, I'm, I'm an old man now with a bad memory. I couldn't remember any of the sections, but I wanted to ride with him. So I just rode him and messed a bunch of stuff up. And I think I was like five or six points on loop one and I had 28 points on loop two. Because <laughs> I'm screwing up, but uh, well, I know you got a new gas gas to play around on, so yeah, uh, I'm pumped. To, you're gonna have to secretly tune up and then and then ask for a rematch. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen <laughs> I've seen some videos of him now. He can do all the front and rear end hopping around and stuff. I think he's far out of my element, but but uh, yeah, but yeah. So I mean, competing in trials brought me so much joy in the in the '90s. You know, like going out to all of the events and. I want to say, yeah, my daughter, Samantha, was born at like midnight or one in the morning on a on a Saturday night. And on Sunday, I I still went and did a trials out out in Lucerne. (laughs) But uh, dedication. Yeah, it was always a super good time and something I really enjoyed. But I kind of lost access to trials bikes when I left Cycle News and went to uh, Dirt Rider. And then MX Racer and Transworld. But here and there, I've been able to play on them. They've been a lot of fun. But uh, some of my best memories were the international trips, right? We went to the, was it 94? We went to Andorra for the trial designations. Um, We went to the one that I was with you on, I believe, was Austria. And I think it might have been the following year, maybe 95. Okay. Um, I went to a few of them. And we did some cool stuff. I remember... I remember going to the gas gas factory in Spain. That was yep. 94. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's cool over there. You know, definitely the sports a little bit bigger over there and, uh, there's a lot of good riders and some of the sections are pretty serious business. Yeah. So it was always cool to go to on those trips, especially with a, with a group of Americans and have some fun. Yeah. So have rules changed on the world level? Like, is there like a, uh, like you can't really stop and back up and take 15 yeah, minutes so looking at stuff. They have been playing with the rules. Um, originally, I think back in that era, you could kind of stop and balance there 
almost as long as you wanted, but yeah. um, it was taking too long for riders to get through sections and whatnot. So they, they first went to a time limit per section, kind of mm. keep things rolling and speeding up. But uh, they still, the guys kept getting trickier and uh, they were doing all kinds of bicycle style trick moves. And it really became, you know, quite a circus act. And uh, so what they've decided to do was kind of go back to like a, what they call a no stop rule. So now mm. they're supposed to keep forward momentum as they're going through. And uh, it there's little hesitations. Guys aren't really fully rolling through everything but mm -hmm. they're kind of integrating like old school and new school so there's a lot of trick riding still involved but you have to keep some flow to it a little more like surfing they're calling it like dynamic mm -hmm. so it keeps the flow through the sections a little bit bit more and um, that's what's going on with fim stuff but mm -hmm. to be honest with you there's a uh, resistance like kind of around the world so not everybody has the same uh, rules in place like the NATC um, U.S. stuff is uh, still stop and hop style. Yeah. So you have a time limit through the section, but um, you can you can stop and, and set up and brace yourself for some of the big stuff. Yeah, because uh, that was definitely a, a skill to go into a section and reposition yourself and actually hop backwards, right, or roll backwards to get a better run yep. or something. But, yeah, uh, now they don't want you doing that. Like I said, they're trying to keep the flow going because – it was at, at first it worked really cool. It was like, wow, somebody hopped the front wheel. That was cool. Somebody hopped the rear wheel. That was cool. Somebody rolled backwards. Cool. But then what happened is, is it got so tricky. Then it became kind of like trick riding instead of actual motorcycle riding. So mm. they're trying to encourage like the new style of riding to have a little bit more flow to it and a little bit more forward motion and not just be so all about trick riding. Mm hmm. Okay, so of your 10 titles, which one stands out as the most rewarding or satisfying? Oh, man, that's a tricky one. Uh, I think there's a couple of highlights, I guess. Uh, my first championship was definitely um, big for me because I was runner-up um, three seasons in a row prior. So that was a huge deal for me to finally to get, get a win under my belt and then uh, – I feel like after that, then my confidence kind of improved and uh, I went on a pretty good string of wins. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, my I think my later years, like uh, maybe not the last season, but like uh, 2004, something like that was probably my best year. And I was maybe riding at my best um, during that era where I just felt like I wasn't really worrying about any of the other riders. And technically I was, um, you know, at my peak. And uh, I feel like maybe that championship series, maybe 2004, was probably my uh, where I was riding at my best. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're, you know, getting older, are mm -hmm. you thinking, man, I just want to get 10? 10's a nice number to get. And like, did you <laughs> did you keep riding past 10, or was that it? No, that was it. I um, I had a lot going on at the time. I. Uh, I was really aggressive with my show stuff. I had gotten linked up with uh, Red Bull in the early 2000s. Mm. And um, I started to really juggle my time between, you know, the shows and national competitions. And so I kind of had, I was actually backing down a little bit on my like outdoor practicing and competition stuff and mm. focusing more on promotion and 
being at the big events, doing shows for trials. And um, so near the end of my career, like uh, 2006 was my last season. Um, I won the championship, but I was literally like 50-50. I was, I was still riding enough to, to win the championship, but I was not maybe as sharp as I needed to be to like continue with it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was focused on on those on those shows so i was juggling a lot of stuff so i thought you know what 10 is an awesome number and (laughs) at the time it was the record and i just thought you know this is good and then there was other stuff happening like with enduro cross and some other things that i kind of wanted to dabble in so i um you know started to kind of shift my focus to the to more like off-road racing and um and the show stuff Mm -hmm. so the shows um I caught several of my, you, you performed at some super crosses, right? That's what I would have seen, I think. Yeah. So the shows were, uh, (laughs) it was a lot of splatters onto your trailer, right? Like you would reinforce the side of your trailer with diamond plates so I could take the impact. And yeah, the guys at Red Bull really helped me out with that. They kind of helped me develop like a pretty cool mobile setup. It was all built out of aluminum with hydraulic levelers and, uh, platforms that moved and, all kinds of custom ramps and built-in sound system. And, and we had a really good run of just doing all kinds of events. Uh, we did a lot of work for Feld um, with, at first it was IFMA, uh, freestyle motocross yeah. competitions. And then it turned into like the sh- really into a show thing called Nuclear Cowboys. Just So we did 10 straight years with, with those guys. And then Red Bull had their fingers in everything. So we were at car races. We were at sporting events. We were at, I mean, all sorts of stuff. Um, I mean, I even got linked up with you way back in the day. Um, I don't know if you remember doing the Microsoft thing. Uh, uh, you put me in contact with a stunt coordinator that, you know, we, we did an introduction, um, you know, in Las Vegas at a big computer show for a, a video game. Mm-hmm. And we did all kinds of cool stuff. Even got my SAG card and did some movie stuff and, and, uh, yeah, I just kind of was poking in all areas with the show and, and with the demo and just to kind of see if I could make the needle move and, mm-hmm. and, uh, try to make a career out of it. Yeah. So it's pretty funny to think that, you know, you got involved in this motorsport that's like really specialized and really small in the United States. And you, you encountered so many things. You travel around the world, travel across country numerous times. And uh, got to do so many different things thanks to a trials bike. Yeah, I mean it's kind of an underground sport, but the the skills that it takes to to be good at trials kind of I feel like I could almost just hop on any different bike and and be fairly proficient at it. So it was cool. It, it definitely uh, opened up some doors and gave me some opportunities, and uh, it was a uh, it was fun to to chase it. Um, for a while and, and i guess we're still chasing it to this day mm-hmm. so uh you transitioned into enduro cross for several years and, and won some events right yeah that was something that was you know the timing was really good for me you know i was kind of slowing down a little bit like i said on the national circuit for trials and i still was competitive still riding well and uh we'd always mess around with the dirt bikes in the off season um you know so as soon as stuff was winding down like after trial the nations and whatnot we'd we'd get the motocross bikes out and play around and but we were kind of like hybrid riders we would hit some jumps and play on the motocross tracks but we also were 
riding over logs and rocks and doing kind of weird stuff on the on the motocross bikes and mm. so when enduro cross came out i was like man they kind of built this for us and uh <laughs> Uh, I was lucky enough to kind of get invited to the very first one. Um, Did you race the, a trials bike? No, I or... didn't because I was kind of looking for something fresh. Um, my first race on an enduro cross track was actually on a gas gas um, 300 enduro. Okay. And uh, I was still linked up with the gas gas trial side of things. And so they hooked me up with a enduro bike and I just literally just jumped in cold turkey and <laughs> checked it out. But uh, the the first premise was is to see how many different discipline of riders they could get in and, and, you know, really kind of showcase all the sports. I mean, they had a flat tracker, a motocross or uh, enduro riders, trials guy, you know, let's throw them all in the mix, mm-hmm. stir it up and see what happens. So, so didn't some guys race trials bikes? At the very beginning. Very beginning, um, right? Yep. They're. Actually, one of the guys that I worked with for quite a few years, uh, his name is Nick Manzoros. He uh, was announcing for me at my shows, and we were going to Enduro Cross, and he uh, he decided to race his trials bike against the big bikes. And because it was technical enough, um, he actually did pretty well in his first r- first <laughs> run. And uh, and so they for a few years they they let the trials bikes uh, race against the big bikes and. Um, guys like Colton Haker got their start there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Webb rode, um, the trials bike. Um, there was a few other guys that were kind of in the mix and, uh, yeah, there was, it was kind of cool at the very beginning. Um, as the thing kind of morphed and got more and more specialized and whatnot, the, the dirt bike was the way to go. Mm-hmm. But, uh, when it was at the beginning and nobody knew what was going on and the courses were pretty technical, the trials bike could hold its own. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Jeff, we're going to take a quick break to uh, hear from our podcast sponsors. When we come back, we'll talk more about Gas Gas and KTM in the future. Right on. Hey, guys, this is Shane McGrath of the Star Racing Monster Energy Yamaha team. BC Fit Mills has been a huge tool in my success by keeping me healthy, energetic, and recovering the best way I possibly can. All their meals are super delicious, ready to eat, and take the guesswork out of trying to eat right daily. Visit their website at bcfitmills.com and sign yourself up today. Out here, on the edge, failure is no option. Here, you don't compromise. Off-road, on-road, on the track, off the grid. Sunstar sprockets and brake discs come installed in more motorcycles and all-terrain vehicles than any other in the world. Period. The engineers who design your bike trust and spec Sunstar for the same reason you should. Because here, on the edge, failure is no option. Sunstar, number one in sprockets and brake discs. Hey, it's Gohan, team manager of the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team. Works Connection has been building the best aluminum parts in motocross for over 30 years. From the awesome Pro Launch Start device to their original axle blocks. Works Connection parts are designed and produced in California, and we are proud to use them on our factory race bikes in Supercross and Motocross. Check them out at worksconnection.com. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. 
Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Live podcast for additional discounts in the shop. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota Escondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the Action Sports Special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Welcome back to the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast. I'm uh, joined on the phone by 10-time National Trials Champion Jeff Aaron, who is, uh, okay, so what is your role? Are you, are you still Gas Gas team manager, or are you, like, brand manager yeah. now? I'm uh, I'm kind of wearing a few different hats at the moment. Um, because this is all, all new for the whole KTM group, um, they're kind of calling me GG1 um, over here at the office because – um, you know, everything's just getting off the ground. And the first thing that's starting is the trials bikes. So, Mm -hmm. um, they basically hired me on as a race team manager and we're going to do, uh, a two rider team, just a small team, uh, uh, men's number four pro rider, uh, Daniel Blanconet and uh, women's number one rider, uh, Maddie Hoover. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we're taking care of them on the 2020 bikes and uh, that's kind of my main focus. But to be honest with you, um, I'm jumping in between everybody's meetings and business. Um, you know, sometimes we're we're linked up with sales, we're linked up with media, we're linked up with marketing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, as things get bigger and the dirt bikes and the other models start to uh, materialize, then I'm sure they're they're going to add more people, they're going to add more focus. Um, but right now, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of bouncing around in between all the different avenues and uh, sticking my two cents in where needed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, were you like when when the potential acquisition was going on? Were you yep. ex- excited? Like, did you see it as a growing opportunity for Gas Gas for the brand in the U.S.? Yeah. So the last um, three years, I had been working with the previous importer and was kind of a they called me a West coast promotions guy. So I was helping out with some of the media stuff and I was, uh, still active racing. I was going to the national trials and also still racing enduro cross. And, uh, so I was just kind of helping out and doing as much as I could as a one man band on the West coast. And, uh, when I first knew things were going a little sideways with the existing company, I was kind of nervous because I thought, Oh, this is, uh, this is not good for me. I don't know, you know, what I'm going to do next. You know, I kind of started maybe exploring a few little other options. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I kind of heard that through the grapevine that, that KTM was interested in, in purchasing and maybe developing it. And I thought, you know what, maybe if I stick it out here, this is going to be a good opportunity. And mm-hmm. uh, as it turns out, um, my timing was, again was good, luckily. And uh, I just, a lot of people bailed out, you know, they got nervous and, and jumped ship and went to different brands or did something else. And I just kind of bit my tongue and, and just kind of, um, 
put myself in the right place at the right time. And, um, and luckily, uh, it worked out for me and, and, uh, I get to be, you know, part of the startup here with the, with the new group. Mm, that's very cool. So are you <clears throat> privy to information or a part of the development? Like, you know, on the MXGP circuit, they're running gas, gas, motocross bikes, right? With, uh, yeah, we got information really early on, like before they actually did any of their press intros and things like that, we knew already what was kind of happening. Um, all the stuff that happened in Europe was kind of like a lateral move. Like, uh, the very first, um, rider under the new umbrella was Laya Sands at rally. Mm-hmm. So just after the first of the year, she she switched from factory KTM to uh, factory Gas Gas, and she she was really the first one to kind of debut the bike and be out there with red colors on under the new new company. And uh, so then Koldenhoff and his team, um, you know, Roger had kind of filled us in a little bit, you know, about what was happening in Europe and what was coming down the pipe. And so we knew that the standing construct team was going to um, be running red. Mm-hmm. And so that was really exciting because gas gas had never been in motocross before. And then um, the one other rider that uh, we got a little bit of news on was Taddy Blazuziak. Um, obviously he's like a neuro cross champion, Erzberg mm-hmm. winner and uh, definitely cool to see um, him come to the red brand. Uh, he's, been around a long time and been affiliated with uh ktm for a long time and uh it kind of opened up a spot for another off-roader uh letton bickler to come in as the premier ktm rider and then he gets to kind of head up the the gas gas extreme off-road team so mm-hmm. we knew right away that there was going to be some heavy hitters um in europe and now we're kind of working and developing the same strategy in the u.s for 21 so it's going to be it's going to be mixed um like right now we're starting off kind of conservative we've got the trials team and is is the riders are signed we're we're planning on being at the events um for off-road it'll probably be similar to like um kind of what they did in europe it'll be a lateral move but most likely it'll be a ktm or husqvarna team that um that goes to gas gas Mm -hmm. and then motocross is still kind of to be determined um you know, Roger and Ian were a little tight-lipped on it. They didn't. Uh, they don't really have a lot of guidance yet. Um, mm-hmm. We know that the the new bikes and stuff will start to see product in the fall, and um, depending on how the sales go and how the dealership network and all that stuff um, gets set up, then we'll start to get more information as we get kind of closer to that time. But. Uh, as of right now, they haven't made any announcements or mm-hmm. there's no big team plans or anything. But um, all I know is that we're kind of modeling off of what they've done in Europe. Yeah. You know, the the rumors, obviously, that that have, that I've heard or uh, the Rocky Mountain team or Troy Lee will be gas gas. But, you know, who knows at this point? Um, I'm kind of curious, like the with KTM taking over and. You know, Glenn Koldenhoff is riding a, a red plastic KTM. Uh, Gas Gas already has a full line of off-road motorcycles, not trials, but like for off-road, right? Will those yeah. continue to be developed that way or will they become, boom, you know, the KTMs, which are amazing machines? 
with red plastic? No, what's already happened is is basically KTM Husqvarna they didn't have a trials bike, so they knew that Gas Gas was already one of the premier trials bike brands. They they really wanted the brand, I think, for that. Um, so that kind of completed their you know house of brands lineup mm-hmm. uh, so they now have a trials bike that they can get into more mainstream dealers so that was a big you know part of the puzzle um on the off-road and motocross side they weren't really interested in the existing bike even though we had a good 250 and 300 two-stroke enduro bike mm-hmm. that was actually um a separate deal and that got sold off to a company called uh I don't know how you pronounce it exactly, but I think Reju. Okay. And anyways, it's a Spanish company that's going to run with it. They're going to rebadge it and make improvements to it and um, still sell that two-stroke enduro. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the new enduros, motocrossers, kids' bikes, all that stuff is all going to be um, KTM platformed in the future. So um, you can expect to see like a full lineup um electrics all the way up to 450 motocrossers um um in you know branded gas gas with their own body work and uh, their own identity so uh another you know grumbling i've heard uh so like you know there's the ktm motocross bike the husky motocross bike they're different in body work and subframe right and some suspension settings this year the subframe Obviously, the airbox works a little differently, so it produces a different power band. Um, any word that you've heard on what's going to differentiate the gas gas from those two bikes? Because um, I heard something like the gas gas may be a more uh, like not not lesser lesser components, but you know more more of an entry level targeted bike like uh, yeah they've, they've talked a f- about a few different things um there there's some options with um brake components um there's also like some simple stuff like uh triple clamps uh options mm-hmm. there's also you know wheels uh things like that um so there's a few few little items that might be um different yeah but basically the main goal is just to price the the gas gas bikes uh, similar to the Japanese brands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, they really want to, you know, just be dominant uh, against uh, some of the Japanese brands. So yeah. they're um, this is kind of uh, a test to see how how it is. And uh, the, with the gas gas bike, I think they'll. Uh, you know, just to simplify, they're going to price it the same as a Honda and they're going to make a few different components. But mm. um, overall, you're still going to have the good motor. You're still yeah. going to have the good frame, the good suspension, all that stuff. They're not going to skimp out on the on the main parts. Um, there might just be a few items that um, are a little bit different. If you want to trick it out and put a set of, you know, factory clamps on it, you still can, you know, mm. that kind of thing. The first thing that races through my head is like, oh, man, shootouts, we're going to have to do seven bikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, hey, so, okay, let's talk about the trials bike. I picked up a uh, TXT 300 at uh, at the shop yesterday. And awesome. I'm, I'm sitting here in my garage staring at the thing. And 
Okay, so I, I lost track of trials for quite a few years, obviously, because my focus is motocross. But the frame is a lot different than the last gas gas I rode because it was, uh, I think it was a steel frame back then, but it was like chrome or polished, right? And it was square yep. square tubing. So yep. now it's round tubing. And, man, the thing is just so sexy looking. Like the way everything, the body panels mold together and dovetail with the frame and it just looks like the bikes a trials bike looks like a trials bike right but it looks so much different still like further evolved i think yeah these bike new bikes are pretty dialed you know over the years as the sections started getting bigger and bigger drop-offs and bigger ups you know there was too much maybe frame flex or in some cases even like you know breaking things you know so the new frame is kind of a tube tube style perimeter frame and uh it's definitely one of the strongest ones out there mm-hmm. um they kept changing it and beefing it up around the shock rear shock area and around the head head tube area um over the last couple of years and it's a pretty developed machine right now um they still stuck with the perimeter frame because it's really easy to work on you can take the the fuel tank and the uh, rear subsection air box off. And then mm-hmm. you have access to everything. It's like pretty simple, uh, easy way to work on it. And um, so they, a lot of people like that design uh, just because it's, it's simple to work on and it's strong. Yeah. Um, the gas gas has got a couple really cool features. Um, one of the things that gas gas is kind of known for was they, they, produced a lot of power out of the engine but they did it in a small package so like the the bottom end of the engine i mean honestly it looks like an 85 it's yeah. uh it's really narrow really small um there's some they did some interesting stuff in there with the gears gear cluster is really small they uh the clutch is also really unique and a lot of company other companies are now copying it but it has half the number of plates that uh, standard clutch has and it just narrows the whole um, size of the motor down and it has you know really good feel um, so it's become kind of like industry standard and that's something that gas gas designed years ago and then it just keeps fine-tuning it and developing it but uh we have a really nicely polished bike right now that uh is super capable um even our factory pro riders can hop right on the stock bike and just take it right to the event Mm -hmm. so you mentioned that stock bike right like i remember the thing that kind of struck me as so crazy back in the day was everybody just rode their bike stock like you didn't hear about guys modifying their suspension you know uh yep at at least on the local level but i mean like you you're six foot four right so you're 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 giant and you have a high center (laughs) of gravity um did you compete on modified suspension or was your stuff you know, close to standard? I've played around with a lot of stuff over the years. Um, what I've done nowadays, the way I think about it, is I make small changes. I'm not doing anything really radical because, just for example, if I take my suspension and I stiffen it up so that Big Jeff can handle a big drop-off or a big step-up or whatever, um, it's going to like deflect like crazy on all the little stuff getting to it. Mm-hmm. And you want the suspension to move up and down and uh, there's a lot of like timing and like preload the suspension and then unload and jump up stuff. So you need the suspension to work a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and every time I've really done anything radical with modifying it, um, I end up kind of going backwards with it. <laughs> uh, so uh, standard with fine tunes is kind of, uh, I think, the way to go. They offer um, uh, a spring rate change for the bikes. Like there's one spring rate lighter and one spring rate heavier. Mm. Um, and then there's also just some small stuff you can do. Like uh, they have adjustable heads on the motor. So you can put a soft dome, a medium dome, mm. or a high compression dome. So if you want to mellow the bike or liven the bike up, you can do that but do it in small increments. Mm -hmm. And that's what I kind of have a tendency to do nowadays. It just, I tune up the motor a little bit with some little bit of compression. Um, I opt for the heavier spring. And then um, some of the stuff is just personal preference. Like my, uh, you know, I like a certain foot peg and handlebar set up, mm -hmm. Renthal. And uh, that, but that's pretty much it other than, uh, you know, just some of my sponsor stuff. I, I I've uh, helped develop the Dunlop tires and mm -hmm. I'm happy with them. So I use those. And uh, the only other thing that I tweak with a little bit is uh, gearing just because um, I'm heavy. Mm -hmm. And so I have, a, I want to gear the bike down just a little tiny bit so that my taller gears, like my second and third gear um, just has a little bit more juice to pull me around. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but it's really small, subtle changes. And if you hopped on my bike and then you hopped on the production bike, you wouldn't feel like anything radically different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, okay. So in the uh, 2020 lineup, I believe there's a 125, a, yep. two, a 250, a 280 and a 300, right? Yes. So yep. 250 to 300 makes sense. But what, where does the uh, three, 280 fit in and how's it different? Well, it's kind of like uh, this is kind of what's going on right now is in Europe, there's a there's a class for 125 and a youth development stuff. So that's why they have the 125. Mm -hmm. the, they used to just have one big bike and it was a 280, which is actually a 272 CC. Mm -hmm. And some old timers feel that that's still the magic number. That's the, <laughs> the that's the combination that, you know, is correct. But in reality, what's happened is is got like sportsman level and clubman level riders are realizing that the 250 is an easier bike to ride and um, more than capable of climbing anything they're going to attack. And so the 250s become more popular um, for the average guy, and the 300 has become what the guy, an expert or a pro level rider, really wants. Um, to get up the big stuff so, so i got the wrong one i should have got the 250 <laughs> i'm gonna be looping out you know you can have fun on any of these bikes i'm just talking about purely competition yeah um if you were gonna take it to the event and you were gonna ride it in between the tapes um i would say just like i said for the average guy the 250 you'll actually get a better score on it mm -hmm. um the 300 is a super capable bike but it uh it's definitely a little punchier has a little more uh, power all the way around. And sometimes more power isn't what you need. You yeah. you need, you know, usable power and smooth power. So, um, okay. Kind of okay. Zach, if you're cuts. listening, there's my, there's my excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. okay. So man, I'm really excited about this because now you a consumer can go into a, KTM dealer, right? They go to walk into AEO Power Sports down in 
Temecula and, oh, hey, what's that? What's that weird-looking motorcycle? Oh, a trials bike. You know, you can go buy a bike at a dealer, a dealer who can finance you or a dealer that have parts in stock, right? Back yep. in the day, it was like these tiny – like what? I used to get my gas gas test bikes from – what was John's last name, the guy in Torrance? Uh, Robertson? No. Maybe or, uh... I, I had to get bikes out of a guy's garage in Torrance. And, and, you know, just, just like when, you know, for Montessa, it was Alan Malmquist, right? It wasn't a yep. shop. It was like a dude. So yep. I, I remember I used to have to go to this guy's house and, you know, I'd schedule around his, his regular job and his, you know, whatever he's doing with his wife or whatever to, to pick up a bike or even get parts and then. It was just weird, you know, like to, yeah, it's, to, it's really was just run by enthusiasts, you know, yeah. so they're the, these little garage dealers, guys that were maybe active going to local events and whatnot, but they would just bring bikes in and, and they would kind of sell them to their buddies and that kind of thing. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, you're right. They're going to be on now showrooms the, now. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're setting up the gas, gas dealer network. It's not necessarily going to be every, at every single yeah. KTM dealer or every single Husky dealer. Some, some uh, dealerships are going to share, you know, some might be a KTM Husky and gas gas dealer. It could mm -hmm. be a full, the full lineup, but, uh, right now they're establishing all that stuff and it's going to be on the same, uh, wavelength as the other two brands. And I think it's just going to be a plus, uh, for the company, because like you said, they're going to be in more established dealerships and it's just going to be a more professional game all the way around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, what, this could be a shot in the arm for American trials. I mean, I would assume it's going to be. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think there's a lot of good stuff going on right now. I think uh, um, it's really cool to, like I said, kind of be affiliated with this bigger company that has more of a backbone and more of a structure to it. Mm -hmm. And then there is, there has been a little bit of a surge, just, you know, people take an interest in it. Like I said, the extreme off-road guys and the enduro cross type riders that there's been some action and interest in that area a lot of guys are using them as cross trainers mm -hmm. and um just with things getting tighter on like areas to ride you can do them in small places they're not as loud um it's really just uh i think the timing actually could be good um yeah. and i'm excited about these next couple years yeah so i'm <laughs> it's funny because back when i rode you know i lived in pasadena and I would drive out to the Santa Rosa mine. And now <laughs> I live off the Cajalco exit in Corona in the Eagle Glen neighborhood, right? So I don't even yeah. have to get on a freeway to go ride over at Santa Rosa. Uh, is that still a, a place that people ride right now? For sure. Yeah. I mean, um, Santa Rosa's got, you know, s some open areas and some cool rock formations you can play on. There's, uh, you know, we ride a lot up at Anza up near the Cahuilla track mm -hmm. and we've been lately we've been riding out at cheney ranch out a little further warner springs um lucerne valley like you said before you know that there's some really cool places with some good features for trials bikes that are right in our local area so it's it's a good place to to ride trials yeah what is the uh local socal scene like now is there how many people show up at a trial would you say um right now it's it's kind of a, a mixed bag, but it's really small, low key, but we're getting like um, usually around 75 riders to mm -hmm. a, a local event. And then like the national championships and stuff are getting more like, you know, 125 riders, something mm -hmm. like that. 
So it's it's small, you know. We're we're not lining up for a GNCC race with 700 entries, mm-hmm. but uh, if it, to be honest with you, if it gets too big, if there was 200 people that showed up to a trial, it would probably be a little too congested. You know, you might yeah. wait in line too long. It'd be like throwing too many people on the golf course at one time. You know, you need to like <laughs> yeah. You know, it, uh, it's more enjoyable if it's kind of small and you can kind of float from uh, section to section without, you know, big lineups and stuff. So the size is actually uh, it's an, at an enjoyable size right now. Mm-hmm. OK, I notice this bike has a <laughs> it's got a kill switch on it like they used to require when I raced three wheelers. <laughs> yeah, it's got the umbilical cord style breakaway uh, kill switch and. They just have done some stuff to kind of make it safer for um, spectators and also checkers. safer for minders, checkers, and riders. Um, the idea is, is if you don't make it up a step or something like that and you have to disconnect from your bike, you know, it kills the bike. In yeah. the past, we've had some situations where you fall off and the bike's revved up because you just tried to get up some big step. And now the thing is spinning out of control wild and who knows where it's going to end up. And, yeah. um, so the FIM put a few other uh, things into place, uh, that kill switch style. There's also, if you notice, it has a solid rear, uh, um, sprocket. It has a disc cover oh, on the front. In there, yeah. Yep. There's a few things like that. So you don't get, get hung up with your bike in case you uh you have a crash or something so there's a few fim uh things on there that they've improved over the years like i said as the sections have gotten more and more gnarly um you know they've had to do a few things like that to to be smart and safe Mm -hmm. well cool man i i just in the last what 40 minutes talking with you i've gotten more and more excited about firing that thing up and going (laughs) riding it so um, right on. As I said before, I'm going to fart around in my front yard for a little while, you know, because uh, <laughs> I have a I have, I have this gigantic slope on the uh, side of my house that uh, I can make a section in. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> we'll see what cool. my neighbors say. But um, well, yeah. But hey, man, congratulations on the uh, new position, and uh, man, I'm hoping nothing but the best for uh, you know the gas gas brand and trials in general in the United States. I think this is really exciting. Yeah, thanks a lot, Don. Yeah, I'm excited about it, too. And I hope uh, if anybody's out there who's listening and has always been intrigued by it, maybe this will be uh, be something that kind of pushes you over the top. I think you need to grab a buddy and go give it a shot. And yeah. uh, there's lots of cool, cool types of motorcycle riding. But trials is a, is a unique one that uh, a lot of people can have fun doing. So looking forward to the future. It's a good time. Hey, am I going to see you at Kuwait tomorrow? Yeah, you sure will. I okay. still like riding motocross. I like riding everything, to be honest with you. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, Jeff, thank you for the time. And, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, check out uh, SwapMotoLive.com, our website, if you're just listening on a podcast server, because um, there's uh, uh, some information about the new Gas Gas Trials bikes. And uh, stay tuned for some uh, amateur-level testing of this bad boy. <laughs> All right. We'll uh, talk to you next time. Okay, right on, Don. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. See ya. We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. 
globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet.